Welcome to Totalus Rankium. This week, Zoe 2. Hello, and welcome to Roman Emperors Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine eleven, and this is episode 136. It's Zoe 2, the Purple Born, usually just known as Zoe the Purple Born. Uh, but as we just discussed before pressing record, uh, we're, we're going to give her a number, aren't we? Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's nice, you know, because you mentioned that women are often given numbers because, you know, they're women. Yeah, and history don't like women. That's on a t-shirt I read. Um, <laughs> but I think they deserve a number. This is our second Zoe, so she is getting the number two. But just to warn you, if you're searching for her, you won't find her under Zoe two. But yeah, we're bucking the trend. Yeah. We're doing it. Um, yeah, bit of an odd one this episode. I feel a lot of it's going to be a recap of what we've already talked about. Yes, in fact, in my notes it says here, we have covered most of her life already. Which is pretty much paraphrasing what you've just said. Uh, and most of what happens after what we've already covered mainly involves Constantine Nine, who we're doing next time. Uh, but I think it's... Uh, well, for a start, there is new information to go over, but also it's just nice seeing her perspective on things. Yes, that is true. You don't often get it's, that. You don't. Uh, her life is a genuinely fascinating one, and um, it's very different to any of the other 135 episodes we've done in terms of her life projection. So, saying that, let's jump into this. We start in 978 in Constantinople. Her father, obviously, was Constantine VIII, and yes, her mother he was. was Helena. Now, if you remember back in Constantine VIII's episode, he had married very young. Uh, Helena and Constantine had had three daughters, and then Helena died. We have no information on how... Maybe in childbirth in The Last Daughter. Maybe just after that. We don't know. I, I reckon she was oh, like an ornithologist when you study birds. I right. believe Helena's hobby was to study birds, so she used to climb trees to get a closer look. They'd always fly away, um, yeah. but one day she got a bit too confident, fell. Oh dear, Painful. nasty. Landed, landed on Jeff underneath. Oh, that's not good. No. I mean, the tree was on the edge of a cliff, so it was quite a fall. It was. And I mean, Jeff didn't break the fall at all. They just both died. Brutal. Nasty. Um, okay, then. So that's uh, that's Helena. She's dead. Uh, the three daughters, however, are important to at least two of them. Are. Uh, the eldest daughter is Eudocia. We don't really hear much of Eudocia ever again. Uh, she comes into it a little bit, but not much. Then we get Zoe, who we're doing today, and then the youngest daughter was Theodora. Now, nothing is known at all, really, about the childhood of the sisters, apart from the fact that Eudocia got the pox, I'm going to say. Uh, well, it's not clear. She became ill and became very scarred. Uh, it disfigured her face, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, I'm guessing... Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing some kind of bubble wrap disease going on there. Could be measles. Could be. So, fortunately, that's about it for their childhood. Oh. Um, flash forward to when Zoe's now 18. That was quick. I mean, your entire childhood is summed up by the fact your sister got ill. That's uh, not boding really well, is it? No. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been recorded, would it? Because, you know, she's a woman. Yeah. yeah, she's just a, an imperial princess. Uh, she's not important enough for the chroniclers to 
to jot anything down. Yeah. Um, however, then a man comes into the story at this point, so uh, people start writing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so when she was about 18, uh, a couple of envoys from the Western Empire arrive. That's right, the Holy Roman Empire. One of these envoys goes on to become an anti-pope, and is actually relatively important to history, but I don't care about him. <laughs> Pontifax can cover him in a special anti-pope episode, yeah. because I'm far more interested in the second envoy, purely due to the fact that his name was Bernvord of Würzburg. Oh, that is a brilliant name. Yeah, I mean, it is. Sounds a mix between German, French... Slightly Slavic. <laughs> it's all uh, over the place. I'll be honest, I couldn't really find out any more information about Bernvard. Um, Bernvard. Yeah, uh, apart from the fact that presumably he's from Würzburg. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't think we need more information on Bernvard of Würzburg. He's just got a brilliant name. That, yeah. And he deserves this little little bit of lime light to be drizzled upon him. Ugh. Where's Würzburg? I, I, I have no idea. I'm Germany? <laughs> You're asking me questions that I wasn't prepared for. I just got as far as I loved that name. Yep, it's in Germany. Yep. Um, that's it. Yep, yeah, it's about as far as I got. <laughs> it's got a lovely bridge. City in Germany. Oh, lovely bridge there. Um, nice. Maybe maybe he built that bridge. Maybe he did. Yeah. It's, it, it's also near Rotterdam. Oh, okay. Um, and I can give more information. We're all dying to know here it's a low oh it's 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 i don't know it's about 100 miles or so from frankfurt okay 50 miles from frankfurt up down left or right from frankfurt um sort of like right and then go 45 degrees so you could say uh southeast (laughs) if you were a fool (laughs) um yeah Okay, so there we go. That's our tangent on Bernvard of Würzburg. Have you grown attached to Bernvard? Yeah, I'd like to go there now. Oh, the person. The person, yeah. Yeah, but he's definitely wearing lederhosen. Oh yeah, definitely. Anyway, back to our main narrative. Just keep Bernvard <laughs> in the back of your head. Yeah. Uh, the current Western Emperor was not, unfortunately, Bernvard of Würzburg. It was Otto III. Oh. Uh, Otto Sorry. III is the son of the Holy Roman Emperor, Otto II. Yeah. And also the niece of the Eastern Emperor, John Zimiskis. Now, oh. I honestly can't remember. I think I mentioned that John Zimiskis had a niece who was sent over to the Western Empire, uh, but I can't remember if it survived the cut. Uh, but just know that he did. So Otto II was actually like from both empires, and he had a son, Otto III. Now, I certainly don't have time to go into the ins and outs of the Holy Roman Empire's internal troubles here. Just know that they've had some problems. And currently, Otto III is in his teens, he's the emperor, and he's looking to uh, claim a bit more legitimacy and control by allying himself with the Eastern Empire. Oh. Therefore, Otto III dashed off a little note he did um, to Basil, who was currently the emperor. Yes. Uh, uh, do you have a spare niece at all that I could marry? Your nieces are around my age. Uh, have you got a spare one lying about? Did you ever collect like stickers or pogs when you were younger? Yes, yeah. Did you have one of those folders? Yeah, yeah, for the pogs. That's what I'm imagining with nieces. Yeah, Basil just gets his niece collection out. Mm. Uh, well, he, he wouldn't need a whole folder. He's got the three. He's got Eudocia, 
uh, Zoe and Theodora. Basil listened to the relatively important envoy who had become an antipope and the really cool one called Bernvard, and... Basil figured, you know what, keeping the West happy while I focus on fighting the Bulgars might be a good idea. So, tell you what, um, why don't you guys go with one of my envoys back to Otto Three, discuss which one of my nieces he wants to marry. I'm happy for any of them. Not picky, fair enough. So Basil, too, selected an envoy who headed off to Rome with Bernvard to hammer out the details. Hmm. But unfortunately, then things start to go wrong. Oh dear. Because first of all, Bernvard of Wurtberg died. No! Yeah. Don't know how. Uh, To be honest, he might have even died on the way to Constantinople. We're just not sure. Oh. Uh, How would a stereotypical German die? Um. (laughs) He got his lederhosen caught in his beer stein. Uh, Like the little lid. And just, I mean, everyone knows if you do that, you, you... your hand-eye coordination's going to be all off, and yeah. you're bound to have an accident. Did he fall off a cliff as well? He fell off a cliff as oh, well. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, Bernvard's died. We never mention him again. I just loved his name. <laughs> anyway, uh, the other envoy and the future antipope, uh, they get back to Rome, uh, but there's a problem. Otto had left Rome a few weeks earlier to head back home. He'd left a puppet pope in charge, but the puppet pope had lost control, and the powerful elite in Rome then took over the city once more. As soon as Basil's envoys arrived, they arrested them. Simply to ruin Otto's marriage plans, it would appear. Um, Anyway, things erupt into chaos in the West once more. Again, we're not going to go into details here. Uh, Just know that future antipope became the antipope, which was all messy. Anyway, Basil heard the news, uh, slightly annoyed. It would be nice if uh, we had a relation with the Western Empire, but oh well, win some, you lose some. I'm off to go and fight the Borgars some more, he said. At at this point, how sort of, how big was like the Western Holy Roman Empire? Was it as a genuine contender? Um, it... It depends on how you take the problems that they're having. Let's just say it's in flux, but it is a relatively major power at this point. Okay. Um, it's been stronger, definitely, uh, and it will be stronger. Uh, but we will cover this, perhaps. Not 100% certain, but maybe Series 3. Put it this way, if you're fighting the Borgars, you'd rather have them on side than not. Yeah, I think that's true of all situations, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, a few years pass. Uh, Otto managed to settle things down in his empire, um, so he decides to have another stab at it. He sends some more envoys to Basil. How about that niece? Do you still have a niece available? This time, the envoy was called, less impressively, Arnulf of Milan, which is still a good name. Arnulf. Arnulf, which is is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not Bernvard. No, it's not Bernvard. He's just a, he's not even a shadow. He's just a... <laughs> he's not. Uh, however, Arnulf of Milan, he was a bit fancy. He was. Uh, he had a bit of money to throw about to uh, splash around, make an impression. If you were on a horse and you wanted to make an impression, what would you do? Guild the horse, I guess. You you close. You close. Really. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you? Covered it in silks and... No, where where do you put the metal on a horse? 
Oh, we didn't give it golden hooves, like golden horseshoes. Oh, yes. But gold's very weak. Exactly. That's why he didn't use golden nails to hammer them on. He used silver nails. But that's better. It's covered in mud. That's stupid. It is They'll stupid. They'll wear away, literally, the journey there. They would just get trodden and I'm worn I'm guessing away. they were put on just before they arrived at the city, uh, just to arrive. So you get your horse, turn it upside down. Get that little sort of winchy thing to, to rise the horse up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody goes yeah. underneath, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Arnulf made an impression, and Basil met with him, uh, and said, you know what, yeah, I'm I'm more than happy, uh, take your pick, have one of my nieces, that's fine. However, Arnulf said, oh, no, no, Otto's in a bit of a rush, to be honest. So he said, you choose the niece and just send her with me, I'll take her back with me. Like, let's speed this process along. Uh, go, go! Basil has a think. Well, mm. Eudocia was pox-scarred, so she won't do. Uh, and apparently Theodora was not to his liking either. We're not 100% sure why. Do, do you think, though, they... Because I get the impression they may... Well, they may have wanted, I don't know, but maybe if they didn't, they're just, like, both high-fiving behind Zoe's back. Oh, well, yeah. there are no reports of her being unhappy about this. And we do have various reports of other Imperial women around this time kicking up a fuss when they didn't like arranged marriages, uh, including Otto's mother. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, she she kicked and screamed all the way. She did not want to go, uh, but she was forced to. So let's say, just because it's less hideous, that Zoe was happy about this. Okay. Yeah. That's how history works, isn't it? Yeah, it's ignore Let's it. Let's pile on the sugar coating, shall yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. It was all fine. Zoe was very happy. She's about 23 years old, and she set sail with Anulf to Italy to meet up with her future husband and become Empress of the West. However, yeah. when her ship landed in Italy, news reached them. The 22-year-old Otto had suddenly died of fever. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, this has led some historians uh, to claim that this is one of the more tragic events in Roman history, because if Zoe and Otto had had a son, that son could have claimed to be emperor of both empires, and the Roman Empire would have reunified. I mm. uh, can't see it myself, there's That's a lot of ifs there. Tale. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, just real-life politics would have got in the way of that, I'm sure. Uh, but, but it would have changed everything on the other side. Oh, it, would, it would have been different, that's for sure. It undoubtedly would have changed history. Um, but whether it would have resulted in reunified Roman Empire, uh, I, I think it's unlikely. No. Uh, anyway. They're both, it feels like they're, two both, they're both very self-established now. It's like, we're this, you're that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's very hard to judge how um, the empires viewed each other. Uh, it's certainly not how most people view them today. Uh, the Holy Roman Empire certainly has a reputation for not in any way being a Roman Empire. Uh, and even the Byzantine Empire struggles to be recognised as the Roman Empire. Yeah. Back then, obviously, the Byzantine Empire that we're looking at very much saw themselves as the Roman Empire, but mm. to be honest, so did the Western Empire, just because their politics hadn't continued seamlessly, their religion had, and therefore they were God's Empire. So they saw themselves as the Roman Empire. So, yeah, um, very different entities, but still very much viewing each other as uh, Eastern and Western parts of God's Empire. Oh, They're just doing it wrong over there. That's <laughs> pretty much how they saw yeah. each other. Anyway, Zoe heads home. 
she's got she's got no husband so back to the palace and um that's it we don't really hear from her uh, for decades oh um, yeah <laughs> i mean there were no more men in her story for a while so people stopped paying attention to her um she would have lived a life of comfort uh, she seems to have developed a love for creating perfumes in this time uh, at least that's me speculating. She definitely enjoyed doing it later on in life when Celis writes about it, so she probably started early on in life. Coco Chanel um, style. Yeah, uh, well, she would uh, acquire rare herbs and spices from far-flung regions like India and just create different smells <laughs> with them. Apparently her, her living quarters were incredibly hot in the summer because she just had various burners going off, distilling different things oh, wow. uh, to try and make different perfumes and stuff. So, yeah. It must have been amazing though, when uh, the explorers came back, this weird spiky five-pointed leaf thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now... It was, it was very chill for a few weeks. It was. And, uh, in Zoe's quarters. Get some more snacks. Maybe that's why we don't hear from her for a few decades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's said to have been very generous uh, throughout her life. Um, Celis tells us that because she was born into the royal family, she never really understood what money was and how it had a value. Uh, so she was prone to give away things that were far too valuable to people. Um, so she probably was doing that at this time. Uh, but apart from this, uh, for the next 30 years of her life, we don't get anything. Does that count as generosity, then? If she doesn't know the value of it, and she gives somebody, say, a palace, does she not... Oh, that's a that's a deep question, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Or she's just is... offloading her crap that she didn't want anymore. Is your generosity more determined on your understanding of the value? I suppose it is. I could give you a pile of poo and that's not me being very generous no but if you later discovered that my poo happens to be worth its weight in gold that wouldn't make me suddenly more generous would it no and i'll be hoping you're not like a hamster or something (laughs) anyway um (laughs) strange aside uh yeah uh back to zoe um one thing we do know, she enjoyed the company of good-looking men. Oh yeah, yeah, she did. Oh yes, she did. And since it didn't look like her uncle was going to marry her off anytime soon, I'm guessing she enjoyed their company a bit. Uh, because why wouldn't you? You're a princess, you've not got much to do unless some good-looking men around. They might as well. Might as well. <laughs> Zoe, you're getting the room decorated quite a lot with all these workmen coming <laughs> down every evening. <laughs> Although, interestingly, I mean, I do need to say this is speculation. There's certainly nothing in the s- sources to say she was definitely getting to know people. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, in a few places, it mentions how she was a virgin at the age of 50 when she first marries, which I think is optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> it romanticises yeah. it, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah like exactly. Elizabeth I. But even modern things, uh, like the official Hajar Sophia website, which I went on, uh, whilst doing my research, uh, talk about how she was a virgin at the age of 50. It wasn't just people back then believing it. People still seem to believe it, and I really don't think it's likely. Maybe it's um, just mis- mistranslations, like she's virgin on 50, rather than... <laughs> Maybe it was. I hope it's not true. I'd like to think she had some fun in her life before she was 50, but anyway. That and those magical plants from the East. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, Anyway, at some point, um, and again, we're in the land of speculation here, but I'm guessing it's around this time she met a young nobleman called Delesinos, 
uh, who was apparently quite a looker, uh, Constantine Delesinos, by the way. But I'm going to call him Delesinos because everyone's called Constantine, uh, and we don't want to get too confused. Uh, so yeah, they appear to have become close at some point. I'm going to say it happens about here. I say about here, I'm saying between the ages of 20 and 47. Uh, because 47 is when we next actually get a firm date. Right. Because that's when her uncle, Basil, dies. Ah. And uh, little did Zoe know just how eventful her life was going to become. She's probably thinking, oh, I'm probably like, chilling out now, taking it easy. Yeah, I mean, she's been making those purple perfumes for, for decades now. It's time to really, really relax. <laughs> anyway, to begin with, her father, Constantine VIII, becomes the emperor. Uh, this seems to have impacted Zoe very little. She's still a royal princess. She's still in the women's quarters in the palace. And remember, just to be clear, when I say the palace, I am talking about a vast palace complex of many buildings. It's not just a building and a few rooms. She would have had various buildings available to her as the woman's quarters. So yeah, uh, she just hangs out some more. But then we get some more details, because that's right. A man enters the story again. Uh, This time it's another envoy from the West. Didn't get a name this time, uh, so you can make one up. Um... It's got to be as good as Bernvard and better than Anulf. Ah, uh, Anulfvard. Anulfvard. Yeah. Nice, I like it. Okay, uh, so let's say his name's Anulfvard, and he arrives. Um, any chance, he said, you've got a spare daughter uh, just to tie the east and the west. Constantine eight thought, oh, maybe. I mean, by this point, Eudocia uh, had been nunned. Uh, it's not 100% clear why she'd been nunned. Uh, it would appear she chose a life of religious solitude, but maybe she did something and was told to go and be a nun. We just don't know. Was Eudocia the one that had pockmarks? Yes, yes. So the elder daughter's mm. gone. Um, so that left Zoe or Theodora. Let's let's try Zoe again, shall we? Thinks Constantine. Uh, but then some more details come through. The proposed match was between the current Western Emperor's son and Zoe. The problem being the son, the future Henry III of the Holy Roman Empire, um, was only ten years old. Oh, And Zoe's oh, 47. Oh no. Oh no. 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 No, no. no all around. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, you'll be pleased to know the proposal goes nowhere. Good. Although quite what uh, they were thinking in the West proposing this marriage. I mean, come on. Anyway, probably much to Zoe's relief, she gets to stay where she is. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, all her life she's been a royal princess. She doesn't want to have to change her lifestyle, go West to look after a small boy. Yeah, she'd be, yeah, almost, yeah, be like a mother for, oh no, no, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> this no. is wrong. Exactly, but it's fine, it didn't happen. Good. But then there was a problem that everyone could see coming. Uh, Basil, nor Constantine VIII, had any sons. Constantine was getting ill. So, a man had to be chosen to marry one of his daughters Hmm. to run the empire. And now we get into a lot of detail we've already covered, so I'm not going to go into it in a huge amount of detail, but just so we're clear on the trajectory that Zoe's life takes, uh, let's just go through this. So to begin with, Constantine chose Delesinos, the Duke of Antioch, to marry Zoe. Now, as I'm speculating, I think Zoe and Delesinos already knew each other by this point, and this was quite likely Zoe's choice. Or if not Zoe's choice, she at least would have been fairly happy with the choice, because Delesinos was said to be quite the looker. 
And uh, I could imagine she'd maybe influence us. Oh, I've got I've got a list of people, and it's just one <laughs> name. Constantine. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that left it quite wide open. <laughs> um, so it would appear that uh, Delesnos as a choice uh, was a fairly popular one within the royal family. Unfortunately, again, as we've seen, Constantine was then persuaded that the city prefect, Romanos, would be a better choice. This was the powerful in the city deciding, no, we don't want Delesnos, we want the old Romanos to be in charge so we can pull his strings. Uh, if you remember, Delesnos mm. was on his way to the capital, expecting to get married, when he received a second letter saying, no, sorry, plans have changed. Yeah. So he has to go. Is he the one that had to give up his wife? Romanos, yes, yeah, about to get to that. <laughs> um, now, it would appear that actually the first idea was to marry Theodora to Romanos, not Zoe. But apparently she just downright refused. There was no way she was marrying that old man. He's approaching 70. He's uh, he's getting on. Now, it's unlikely Zoe wanted to marry Eva, but it would appear that she was not given a choice. Uh, yeah. it, it's going to happen. Um, so, as we have seen, Zoe and Romanos wed, but only after Romanos is forced into a divorce, or Romanos makes it look like he's forced into a divorce for the benefit of his wife. Uh, but we're not <laughs> sure. Uh, then the events of Romanos' episode plays out. If you remember, Romanos was obsessed with his legacy, uh, and that began with getting an heir to start his own dynasty. Now, Zoe, 47, uh, obviously not in the best position to have children anymore. It's still possible, but... It's still possible, but very, it's very unlikely at yeah. that age. Uh, certainly, uh, it would have been dangerous with yeah. levels of medicine. Um, anyway, uh, she was forced to undergo various treatments to enable her to bear a child. Treatments that were, at the time, seen as ridiculous by many. Celis just says that they were stupid. Remember, uh, chains and pebbles and stuff were used. Uh, I'm guessing, like, placing them in various places and doing chanting, or who knows? Oh who knows? This can't have been pleasant for Zoe, uh, but fortunately for her, he soon gives up on securing an heir as a way of creating a legacy and decides to gain a name for himself through military conquest. Yes. Uh, which, as we saw, how successful that was. Yeah. Um, anyway, he heads off east. Just going to note at this point, however, some people read into this period of Zoe's life very differently. For example, if you read Zoe's Wikipedia page, uh, it says that at this point it's Zoe who becomes obsessed with having a baby, and she's desperate to please Romanos and tries various ways to get pregnant. I, I'm not seeing it. There's certainly nothing I've seen in Celis or Skylitzes, our main sources, that suggest that, in my opinion. Yeah. I think this is more likely it being forced upon her. But who knows? We just don't know. It's another possibility. What I will say is that she was definitely happy that her husband had left. Uh, <laughs> because we know for a fact that they despised each other very shortly after the wedding. Well, that's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. <laughs> However, there is a bright side to Zoe's life at the moment, because even though she hates her new husband, she now has some power over her sister. Now, one thing I've not mentioned and that's because it is in no way clear how it happened. But over the past 
lifetime of the two sisters, they have grown to despise each other. Like, seriously hate each other. This isn't a mild tiff. We're talking really? Caracalla Geta levels of oh. sibling hatred here. They cannot stand to be in the same room as each other. Uh, maybe amazing. it's just being forced to live in the women's quarters of the palace for half a century has just led to them being really wound up by each other. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic, though. I'm, I'm hoping, like, you know, duct tape down the castle. I'm talking <laughs> nastiness. I don't want you to get disappointed later, so I maybe shouldn't have said Caracello and Geta because it certainly doesn't end oh. up with all the blood like it did between those two. But I think the level of hatred was there. They were just less likely to actually start stabbing. But anyway, we'll see. What we've got now, though, is Zoe is the wife of the Emperor and... Theodora is just the sister-in-law, so she's now more powerful. So Zoe uses this power uh, to set up spies on her sister, suspecting Theodora of plotting against her. Now Zoe soon found an unlikely ally in the palace. Uh, this was John the Orphanotrophus. So that's when he comes into the story. Uh, he has by this point risen to the point that he is essentially running the empire whilst Romanos was away. Nice. Now, Zoe didn't trust this John fella. I mean, he was a peasant who was brought up through the ranks after all. But he was very powerful at the moment, and Zoe soon discovered that he also did not trust Theodora. So the two of them start talking to each other and start realising that they both have a common interest. That must be really tricky to do, because how do you say, oh yeah, I hate this person, and Trust that you wouldn't then be instantly arrested and killed. I don't think Zoe tried to ever hide the fact that she hated her sister. And I think John was scheming enough to use this to his full advantage. But how would she trust him, though? Because she might think, well, he might be doing a double bluff here. Well, we'll get on to uh, whether Zoe was too trusting or not trusting enough of people when we're rating her. It's uh, definitely something that's very interesting about her character. You can never really get a handle on it. Either she was just uh, too trusting of people at times, or she was being forced to do things against her will and couldn't fight back. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll get into this later. All we know for now is that John and Zoe ally against Theodora. Now, we don't know how real the charges were, but one day, when the Emperor Romanos was out on a disastrous campaign, <laughs> uh, John and Zoe discovered a plot against the Emperor. Who'd have oh. thought it? Theodora was plotting with a powerful man named, obviously, Constantine, because everyone's called Constantine. Yeah. Constantine was arrested uh, and then had a tragic accident involving his neck, a rope, and the palace walls, if you remember. Well, it can happen he, to anybody. Exactly. I mean, he was just found the next morning hanging from the palace walls. But he should That's, have been so careless. It's easy well, to it, slip. It is easy to slip. Said the guards <laughs> in their report. Theodora, meanwhile, was nunned. She was not sent far. She was kept within the city, but off to a monastery she went. And that's it. Zoe has defeated her sister. Theodora is out of the picture. Meanwhile, Zoe starts living the high life of being the true empress. She'd been introduced to John the Orphanotrophus' youngest brother. This was a particularly pleasant-looking man named Michael. Also a peasant stock, but it's fine. He's a bit of a fling, and he is very good-looking. And he just keeps walking around with his top off. It's... Exactly. Now, I mean, Zoe's married now, so people can stop um, claiming that she's a virgin. Uh, but if, if she really had managed to get to 47 being a virgin, she's certainly exploring her options now. <laughs> um, because not only... 
uh, has she got this uh, stallion of a man, Michael, to have fun with? She also gets to know around this time at least two other men. Uh, have a guess at their names. Um, I'm going to go with, I think one of them will be called Constantine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think the other may also be called Constantine. Yes, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And there's a good chance that she is also still having her affair with Delesnos at this point, and his name is Constantine. Constantine yeah. So there's a good chance that she's uh, uh, enjoying herself with three men called Constantine and young Michael. Uh, whilst Romanos is... Remember, Romanos became obsessed with building that church, so yeah. he's building that church at this point. Or so he's just enjoying herself. Now, as covered, uh, it's not long before Zoe and Michael become very serious lovers. Uh, she starts preferring this young Michael to anyone else. The affair becomes so obvious that everyone in the court knows about it. There is some suggestion that Romanos even knows about it, but just doesn't care. Now, Zoe seems to have believed that the feelings between her and Michael were mutual. Uh, however, Michael and his brother John were just using Zoe to gain power. And she had no oh, idea. Dear. Now, at some point, it was decided by somebody that Romanos had to go, and Michael could replace him. Now, as we've speculated before, we don't know who was behind the plot. Uh, I remember we definitely played the who was behind the plot game. Yeah. Uh, it could have been John, it could have been Zoe, it could have been uh, a combination of Michael and either two of them. It could have been all three. I genuinely don't know what we chose, because I've already forgotten. Uh, but right now, I'm going to say I think it's John and Michael plotting. I don't know if I'm contradicting what I said earlier, but that's what I'm saying now. That'll do, yeah. Uh, but who knows? Maybe Zoe is on the, in on this plot, and maybe she does does plot to kill her husband at this point. Uh, either way, Romanos's health declines slowly. A bit too slowly, in fact. Then one day, Zoe suddenly received news that Romanos was dying. She rushed to the baths to find her husband gasping his last. Oh no, this is a shame. Well, yeah, apparently she saw him and then turned and left without saying a word, which led some to speculate that she was just going to see whether she, he was actually dead or not. I'm just going to get so, some more building work done. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is an uncertain time for Zoe. Uh, John encouraged her to promote Michael immediately to get married and then proclaim him as emperor. Fearing that the powerful would choose their own man if she didn't act quickly, this is what she does. Now, whether it was part of the plan all along, or it was a quick, I need to defend myself here, we're just not sure. Yeah. Um, but Michael becomes Michael IV. The two were wed in 1034. The patriarch refused to proclaim Michael emperor, uh, but then some gold was found in the patriarch's pocket, and uh, the patriarch suddenly forgot why he was objecting to such a great man becoming emperor. Emperor, and everything was fine. Yeah. Uh, now Zoe's in her mid-fifties by this point, and everything seems to be going well for her. It looked di dicey for a moment there, but now she's the Augusta. She has her young, attractive lover as Emperor, and her brother-in-law is running things. Pretty good. Sounds pretty cushy, however... Yeah. Well, this is when things start going very wrong for <laughs> yeah. Zoe. Uh, after a few short weeks of a honeymoon period, where it does appear that Michael Four showered her with gifts, and it was very nice, uh, everything suddenly changed. Uh, we don't know if there was uh, a confrontation or anything. Uh, all we know is that it suddenly becomes very clear to Zoe that her second husband loved her no more than her first had. Her brother-in-law John had seized power, and Michael soon realised that he no longer needed to pretend to love the Augusta anymore. 
Now, John realised that Zoe needed to be around. She was the legitimate uh, member of the royal family. But she didn't need to be around around. So she was very soon put in the women's quarters under house arrest and cut off from the treasury. You son of a... Yeah. Uh, we get a few details on how Zoe found about this, but we could probably guess. Uh, she probably wasn't happy. Nope. She, she was probably devastated and heartbroken. Oh. Uh, one small bit of information we get uh, is that it would appear that she does attempt to kill John at some point around oh. this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John had been ill and was taking some kind of medicine, uh, so Zoe bribed the doctor to mix poison in with the medicine. However, a slave overheard the plot and informed John. John had the doctor exiled, but didn't do much with Zoe. Again, he realised that Zoe was the legitimate royal family member and the public wouldn't look kindly on her being put away somewhere. Um, So he doesn't do much to Zoe. Now, it's because of this, I I think this is a a true story. I think this one happened. Mm. Uh, Because there were no consequences for Zoe, why would this story have been made up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm going to say this one did happen. The whether she killed Romanos or not, I've just got no idea. That could just be John covering his sh- tracks. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Zoe perhaps realizing that if she did manage to unseat John, uh, who knows? The instability could bring her down. Also, uh, she seems to then reluctantly accept her new life under house arrest. I mean, to be honest, her life wouldn't have changed that much. It's still very comfortable in the women's quarters. She just can't go out yeah. uh, and do what she wants. But to be honest, as a royal princess, she probably couldn't do that anyway. No. Yeah, so not nice, but not awful, awful at this point. But who knows? I mean, maybe she despised all of this and she was fuming at every moment. We're just not sure. Maybe she just, you know, took more of the, the eastern weed. Maybe, maybe her perfumes helped at this point. Yes. Uh, and then one day... John and her husband came to visit her. Turns out she was going to have a son. Uh, oh. Yeah, she was going to adopt their nephew. This is another Michael. Uh-huh. This would put the boy in the position of heir while they found someone more suitable, but we need an heir for now because Michael Four's starting to get unwell and people are talking about revolting. So uh, let's put Michael in as heir, but it will just look better if he's your adopted son. Um, so that's going to happen. Now, all we know is that Zoe accepts this. Celis uh, tells us how the young Michael heaped praises upon Zoe until she was won over, but it seems more likely it was a case of, well, what else could she do? I mean, maybe she was flattered enough that she thought this move was a good one, um, but I, she's got no choices here. No. It was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, she seemed to still retain some feelings for Michael Four, her husband, however, despite the way she was treated. What sort of feelings? Like, intense hatred or still a bit of a soft spot? <laughs> still a bit of a soft spot, it okay. would appear, because when it became clear that Michael Four was dying, uh, she became very upset and she broke out of her house arrest, (laughs) indicating that the house arrest wasn't that severe. Uh, She was able to leave the women's quarters if she was determined to. So she left the women's quarters and headed towards Michael's deathbed. Uh, However, she was turned away when she reached it. Oh, final insult. Uh, Yeah, now whether this was Michael for refusing on his deathbed, or John who was next to Michael Ford at the time. Yeah, remember, John really cared for his brother and stayed with yeah. him right at the end. Uh, who knows? Uh, all we know is that Zoe was forced to return back to the women's quarters, not getting to see her husband. 
Yeah, I, it's not great. John. I reckon it was John. I, I'm saying John. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying John. It's here. the kind of thing he would do. It does seem like the kind of thing John would do. Anyway, Michael Four dies, and Zoe just stays in the women's quarters, not being able to do much. Then John arrived with the heir and her adopted son, the young Michael, as well as John's other brother. Remember John's other brother called Constantine? That's oh. right, another Constantine. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call him Uncle Constantine to make it clear. Now, again, they heaped praises upon her. They told her that this young Michael, Michael V, was the best person to rule for now, but he needed her support. If she did not support the boy's claim, the powerful would make their own move, and who knows what would happen then. And once again, Zoe was forced to accept. And once again, we can only speculate how much this annoyed her, or how much she was actually won over by their arguments. Yeah. We just don't know. And this is when things go from, oh, this isn't great, to, oh, this is actually quite bad for Zoe. Uh, to begin with, it wasn't too bad, actually. Uh, she probably enjoyed the fact that her adopted son, Michael V, the new emperor, uh, soon turned on John. If you remember back in Michael V's episode, the two fell out almost immediately, yeah. and John was exiled and blinded soon afterwards. Oh, she must have loved that. Uh, I'm guessing she loved that, yeah. She was uh, like, maybe she's just in there making some sort of new, not potion, new perfume. Um, yeah. You know, very, very delicate work, glasses on, you know, really focused, sort of whispers the information to her ear, throws it down, lifts out a mass like, <laughs> She picks up the, the liquid she was distilling, yeah. uh, does a cheers motion and downs it in one. Because we, we all know that she's actually making gin. <laughs> that's what she's doing. <laughs> a little distillery next to her room that's giving yeah, it away. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it starts quite well, Michael Five's rule does, for, for Zoe. But then, then things go downhill very quickly for her, because that was not all Michael wanted to do. He was determined to start again, start a new dynasty, clear Ooh. out the old, Ooh. in with the new. And that meant getting rid of this old woman who's hanging around the palace. It's like a lot of people listen to her, and who is she? What's the point in her anymore? And the people won't mind. They, they won't mind at all. So not long after, Zoe found herself under house arrest in the women's quarters once more. Well, she's fairly used to this by now, but there's a difference. Because before, she had her own staff to attend her. Um, it wasn't that different to her previous life, just a few more restrictions. This time, all her staff were removed, and Michael's guard came in and guarded her. Hmm. So now it is very much more like actual imprisonment. She had no one to talk to. She knew no one. She's just been kept in part of the palace. Now, it would appear that Zoe could do very little from this point. Uh, she heard very little about what was going on with the Empire. Uh, all she knew is that the younger Emperor and Uncle Constantine were now running things. Uh, and then one night, she was very rudely awoken and dragged from her bed. She was told that the Emperor was exiling her due to her treason. She had been plotting to poison him. Now, again, we've got no idea if this is true, but I, I'm going to say no to this one. Uh, our primary source, Celus, uh, doesn't believe this story. He says it's a nonsense. Uh, so I'm guessing this one is completely made up. Yeah. Now, according to Celus, uh, once she was manhandled onto a boat and then headed for the Isle of Princes, remember, that's the set of islands near the capital yeah. they exile people on. Uh, she wouldn't be happy with that, I imagine. Uh, well, no, no. She looked back to the palace with tears in her eyes, apparently, and said the following. 
Now, we get this second-hand through Celis. He met one of the guards who took her over, and this is what the guard said she said. Yeah. So it's a bit tenuous. It probably didn't happen, but still, this is much much more reliable than almost anything that we've come across in the entire podcast so far. Yeah. Uh, so apparently this yeah. is what she said. Uh, she looked at the palace as if talking to her uncle Basil, who she apparently loved more than her own father. That's nice. It was you, my uncle and emperor. You who wrapped me inside my swaddling clothes as soon as I was born. You who loved me and honoured me too. More than my sisters, because as I often heard them say who saw you, I was like yourself. It was you who said as you kissed me and held me in your arms, good luck, my darling, and may you live many years to be the glory of our family and the most marvellous gift to our empire. It was you also who so carefully brought me up and trained me, and who saw in my hands a great future for the same empire, but your hopes have been brought to nothing. For I have been dishonoured. I have disgraced all my family, condemned on the most horrible charges and expelled from the palace, driven away to I know not what place of exile, convicted of crime. For all I know, they may throw me as prey to wild beasts or drown me in the sea. I beg you, watch over me from heaven and with all your strength, protect your niece. Not looking on the bright side, is she? Maybe she did say this. I'm guessing yeah. this is paraphrased, but it would appear yeah. she wasn't happy. We can definitely deduce that much. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, it is interesting that it's it's Basil that apparently she's talking to. Yeah. Again, though, this might just be Celis making all of this up to just highlight the link between Basil and Zoe. Um, who knows? So, who, who could say? But Zoe's not happy. She arrives at the aisle. Uh, her head was roughly shorn off. No, it wasn't. That's extreme. Her hair, <laughs> her hair was roughly shorn off, <laughs> and she was dressed <laughs> as a <the> nun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it must have been a miserable time in exile, but it's one of the shorter exiles in Roman history, uh, because literally a couple of days later, she's dragged back onto the boat and headed back to the city. Do you think she knows why at this point? Do you think she's been given no, a No, I'm up? guessing not. I'm guessing she was just bundled onto the boat. I'm further uh, assuming that on the boat, she starts to pick up details she must have realised that there has been some kind of revolt in the city, probably realising that the revolt started upon news of her exile, which must have been nice to hear. Boom! Yeah, I mean, no one likes to be exiled, but if you're going to be exiled, hearing that the city rose up in revolt, I mean, that's... No one's ever rose up in revolt about me not being somewhere. (laughs) I'd I'd like to think that perhaps... It doesn't have to be a whole city. A street would do for me. An entire street. Oh, yeah, okay. A person? Yeah. A, a person tutting at news of my exile. Might. Can I have that? You might get a tut. Go on. Okay, fair enough. From your partner. <laughs> uh, Zoe uh, landed in the, uh, the palace docks and was taken immediately up into the palace complex. She was given her clothes back to wear. So stop wearing those nun rags that you've got on. And at that point, she was ushered in front of Uncle Constantine and Michael. <laughs> Hi Zoe, a bit awkward Yeah, unfortunately we don't get to hear what they said uh, Which, I, I, who knows mm-hmm. um, But she was told that what they were going to do now Is go to the royal box in the Hippodrome We're going to show you to the people so they calm down You're here <laughs> Again, take your pick She either 
uh, forgives them and decides to go along with them, or she's being dragged because there's nothing else she can do. Uh, I'm guessing the second myself, but who knows? I think maybe a bit of both. I think she's kind of, we need to calm the city down because I don't want yeah. things getting hurt. That, but that at the same well time, the stop telling me what to do. <laughs> yeah. So she's bundled along the corridors to the royal box. She looks across a hippodrome full of uh, angry people who are all shouting and throwing things. Uh, she stood next to the Emperor Michael as he screamed at the crowd that the Augusta was safe, but no one was listening. They didn't quiet hmm. for him. No one's happy. They start to throw things uh, and then shoot arrows at them. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, back to the palace they go. Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> uh, and we don't know what Zoe did next. Presumably, she went to the women's quarters, uh, whilst Uncle Constantine and Michael try and figure out what to do. But that is just speculation. And now, if you remember, at some, some point, Zoe would have got the news that her sister, Theodora, had suddenly been taken out of the monastery and taken to the Hagia Sophia and declared emperor. Yeah. My, my sister... Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, that did not please her at all. She's probably by this point, if she's not already, managed to piece together all the points. When she'd been exiled, the people had risen up. The powerful of the city had used the uprising as a way to get rid of Michael. However, the powerful had since decided to switch to Theodora, fearing that Zoe was actually backing the young emperor. Now, as we've seen, Zoe's relationship with John the Orphanotrophus' family was complex. It's very hard to get a handle on it, but I, I, I'm going to say it's a safe bet to say that she did not like Michael and Uncle Constantine. I, I'd, I'd go as far as to say that, yeah. Yeah. However, what we do know is that as much as she just did not like little Michael and Uncle Constantine, she liked them a lot more than she liked her sister. Because she hated her sister. And she was outraged when she heard that Theodora had been declared emperor over her. If a woman was going to rule the city, it was going to be her. Well, yeah. Now, fighting continued in the city. Factions behind Michael, Theodora and Zoe all fighting. Uh, Zoe could do little from the palace, though, and doesn't seem to get involved at all. Uh, at some point, she would have been told that Michael and Constantine had fled, and soon after that, she would have heard that her sister, or rather her sister's backers, had ordered the two to be blinded after they'd been captured. So that's Michael and Constantine gone, and that catches us up with the end of the last episode. Yes. So we get to move on with the narrative. Zoe finds herself with very little power, uh, and also uh, few immediate supporters in the palace. Remember, all her people have been stripped out of the palace, so she would have been very alone. Um, however, she did have a large portion of the population of the city behind her. Remember, when the uh, the powerful had switched allegiances to Theodora, it's very hard to spread that message to the mob, who were mostly still supporting Zoe, because that was the original message they'd heard. Yeah. Um, now, the powerful had got what they wanted. They'd got rid of Michael V. So they start thinking, well, what do we do next? We've declared Theodora emperor. She's in charge, so we can't get rid of her. Do we need to fight Zoe, however? How do they declare just that Theodora is emperor? Yeah. How? Yeah. In the Hajj Sophia, um, we're going to more detail in her episode, obviously, um, but one of the main uh, leaders in the powerful faction was the Patriarch himself. Ah, uh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so when the Patriarch 
declared that Theodora was now in charge, uh, he had a lot of moral authority. He was able to do that. Um, It's also the patriarch who at this point goes to the palace and meets up with Zoe. Uh, We've got no idea how candid he was. Uh, Maybe it was dressed up as something else. Uh, Maybe lots of praise was heaped upon Zoe and she was asked very nicely, please come and rule with your sister. Uh, Maybe the patriarch just very bluntly said, look, your sister's in charge, you can be in charge as well, but only if you don't mess about. Accept your sister being around and you can stay emperor. So, Interesting. Yeah, don't fight this. You can both be in charge, was the message. What would you do? Because um, you've, got, you've got a younger brother. You know, you get on well with your brother. He's a nice person. But imagine, right, you hate each other since birth. Right, okay. But you're not very vindictive. I know you're not. But... Yeah. But imagine I was. Yeah, imagine you are. Imagine, okay. you know, you get angry easily. I've, I've exiled him into a monastery for the past decade. Yeah, and you've also got that playing on the back of your mind. Yeah, okay. Thinking, oh, he's going to want revenge. What would you do? And then someone says, you've got to rule with your brother now. You've treated, to be fair, horribly. Again, this is it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because Zoe at this point does not actually have that much power. <laughs> she has a loyal following from a large population of the, the city. Yeah. Uh, but she doesn't actually know where the levers of government are. She can't rule. She doesn't know how to rule. She's never done it. And she doesn't have people around her who can advise her. She is very alone. So I can see why she goes okay at this point. But like you say, you wouldn't feel safe, would you? No, but I think I'd feel safer being co-emperor than I would not. Fighting. Yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, which, which is what Zoe does. Uh, because she's not happy, but she accepts. And at the age of 64, she becomes emperor wow. with her sister. Now, Zoe was seen as the leading emperor in charge. Who was uh, Zoe? Zoe, yes. She's the outer sister. Only just. I mean, the two were placed next to each other. Um, I should probably say now, since I've been saying it a lot, and some people might be confused, I did mention it the last time we came across a female emperor. Uh, I'm using the word emperor to show that it's the person in charge, uh, because the the Romans didn't use their titles in the same way we do. Uh, if I say empress, it's because they are the Augusta, uh, but there's a difference between being Augusta and being the emperor. So that's why I'm saying emperor rather than empress at the moment. That, as far as I'm aware, isn't a, a, a traditional thing that historians do. I just thought it would be a better way of distinguishing between the two. Although it's clunky, I couldn't think of a better way of doing it. But anyway, just know she's in charge, her sister's in charge. So... The two are now ruling the empire, but everyone sees it as a stopgap. This was never anything more than, right, you two are in charge until we can find one of you a husband. So motions were put in place very quickly. Or a figurehead role. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, this is the powerful winning. This is the the powerful managing to start pulling the strings. They have managed to defeat John the Offer, Natrophus's family. Yeah. Now, Celus simply puts it that neither of the two women had enough knowledge to run the Empire, which is understandable. None of them have ever been close to power, and none of them have advisors that would be able to give them that advice. Although, it should be said, Skylitzes is more favourable towards the two of them, but this is based on them passing a couple of anti-corruption laws, which actually is more likely they were passed by the 
the people in the background pulling the strings. But yeah. it does seem they try and stamp out some corruption that's uh, sprung up recently. But as you can imagine, the court soon descends into the way it usually does when you've got two siblings who hate each other in charge. We're not talking Caracalla and Geta levels in terms of literally splitting the palace in half like they did. I mean, they hated each other, they just weren't idiots, is how I'm taking it. <laughs> However, although there wasn't a physical split, there was very much a personnel split. Uh, the court just split into two factions who were obviously working against each other. It would appear that it was Theodora's faction that had the recently blinded Uncle Constantine dragged from a cell and interrogated until he told them where he had hidden a large chunk of the treasury, which is nice, so they found a whole bunch of gold. Nice. Yeah. Look, I'll show you. <laughs> but it's only a matter of time before the powerful insisted that one of them got married. And now Theodora who was used to her life in the monastery and also just seems to be a little bit more headstrong. Remember, she'd refused to marry when she was younger. Uh, she does the same here. She just refuses. I'm not getting married. Uh, Zoe, however, perhaps realising that this is a chance to get one up on her sister again, <laughs> announces that she was more than willing to wed again. To begin with, who should she wed? Constantine. Of course. But which one? <laughs> to begin <All> right. <laughs> with, Delesinos. He was considered. Oh. Now, obviously, the two of them had a past. They almost got married before. Um, yeah. However, Delesinus happened to turn up at the palace for some business, completely unrelated to the marriage. He wasn't aware that he this was on the cards. Um, and he acted in <laughs> such a condescending manner towards Zoe that she just decided, no, actually, I don't want to marry him anymore. He's a condescending tit. So, if she wasn't going to marry Constantine, well, at the time... It just so happened there was a particularly attractive man called Constantine in the court. Ooh. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'll quote Sellers here. Not particularly distinguished in fortune, but blessed with a commanding and dignified presence. He That's was hot. Sellers' way of saying totes hearty. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, another Constantine. This is one of the Constantines that she'd been having an affair with back when she was with Romanos. Yeah. Right. Now, when she had married Michael IV... Michael Four had exiled this Constantine because they would have been rival lovers. So they obviously knew about each other. And Michael yeah. Four just gets rid of his rival lover. However, Michael Four was a while ago now, and this, this Constantine was back in the capital. And Zoe figured he would be a good choice. And brilliantly, also, so did the powerful. It was the perfect choice. Zoe was happy, the powerful were happy. Constantine was happy. Constantine's wife was less happy. But that could be fixed. We've come across this problem before with Romanos. A quick yeah. divorce and everyone's happy. So yeah, it was decided that he would divorce and marry Zoe. Uh, but then he died. Oh. Yeah. His death, in fact, was so sudden it was rumoured that it was his wife who had poisoned him rather than lose him. Wow. But... Bear in mind, we are thick in the period of history where, according to the chroniclers, you apparently couldn't walk down the street without a woman trying to poison you. Uh, oh. So who knows if this is true. I mean, it's women true. trying to poison people comes up so often at the moment, it's just tempting to dismiss all these stories out of hand. I mean, that, that's why I have a poison testing kit at home. 
Well, exactly. So Zoe probably upset by this, um, and also she's still unmarried. Fortunately, though, I mean, I'm, I hope at this point Zoe just got a little book out and went, it's fine, I've got loads of really attractive ex-lovers called Constantine. <laughs> it's like the book is alphabetical order, but there's just most, 90% of it's just C. Yeah, so I'd, I'd rank them by hotness rather than by an alphabetical order. It's the only sensible way. Um, so yeah, <laughs> a, a third hot ex-lover called Constantine was found. We will go into the origins of this Constantine more next episode, because he's the one who becomes Constantine 9. Ah. Yes. Ooh, only two away from 11 then. Yeah, we are. Just know for now, he had ties to the royal family. He had also been exiled by Michael Four because Michael Four exiled all of Zoe's hot lovers. Workmen. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, this Constantine was still in exile, unlike the last Constantine, and he was currently in exile on Lesbos. Zoe started asking around to see if this Constantine would be accepted by the powerful, and to her delight, there seemed to be few exceptions. So, Constantine Monomachus was sent for. Yeah, the name means lone fighter, or perhaps gladiator. Oh, he sounds... Yeah, yeah. He, sounds, he sounds buff. I'm uh, possibly lone wolf, you could say. Uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good nickname, Monomachus. Unfortunately, it's a family name by this point, ah. not a nickname he had earned, as far as I'm aware. But I've not done my research on him yet, so who knows? Maybe I'll uncover something else. I'll be honest. He sounds like the kind of person that goes to Thailand to find themselves. <laughs> <laughs> there is a slight problem with this marriage to Constantine Monomachus, though. This would not only be Zoe's third marriage, but it would also be Constantine's third marriage. Oh, church and, didn't like that, does it? Oh, the church still is not happy about third marriages. That said, the patriarch is currently one of the leading members of the powerful faction, and he would really like someone he can control, or at least have some control of, in power. Um, so as much as the church doesn't like third marriages, as long as the patriarch himself doesn't wed them, and no one said a lower priest couldn't wed them, surely. That's a good enough workaround, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And that's fine. That's all good in God's eyes now. So <laughs> just everyone just nice. be really quiet about the number of marriages. It's fine. <laughs> so uh, Constantine comes to the capital. He comes out of his exile. He becomes Constantine Nine. The two sisters step down from ruling, handing all power over to the new emperor. Now, we're going to go over his rule in his episode, obviously, but there's one more aspect of his rule that does have a major impact on Zoe. So we're going to cover it in part here yeah. uh, because it's not long after Zoe and Constantine are wed, that Constantine asks Zoe if his girlfriend could come to court. Y you're kidding me. No. <laughs> you're yanking my chain. No. No, you see, after Constantine's second wife had died, he had fallen in love with her niece, which is a bit creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was a young woman from the Sclerus family. Remember we've come across the Sclerus family before? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they couldn't wed. Uh, it would be a third marriage, and there wasn't a handy workaround from the patriarch himself. So, no marriage, but the two were apparently very devoted to each other, very much in genuine love. So much so that when Constantine was exiled to Lesbos, she followed him. Constantine was then asked to go to the court to become the emperor, and Sclerina, which is her name, just assumed that all was lost. She had lost the love of her life. Oh. 
However, little did she know, Constantine was working his magic on Zoe in the capital, and had just asked, any chance my girlfriend can come? <laughs> Just trying his luck. <laughs> Zoe's immediate reaction is not recorded, so we don't know how she uh, reacted initially. <laughs> However, Celis tells us that although almost everyone was outraged by this, um, after a while, Zoe didn't care. In fact, she was more than happy for Sclarina to come to the capital. And soon enough, Sclarina receives a note, please come to Constantinople and join the court. Now, to begin with, Sclarina was kept in a building complex which was being built. This was like a, a church slash uh, house for the poor slash orphanage. Basically a look how good the new emperor is. He's making good things happen building. Yeah. Yeah. So this building was being built and Sclarina was kept there. And the emperor would check up on the building progress quite a lot. He was really, really keen to understand whether those foundations had been bedded. Yeah. Wanted to uh, whack out his spirit level, make sure everything was working well. Check out the pipework, yeah. Yeah, exactly. However, soon enough, all pretense had been given up. Sclarina was in the palace more often than not. And it soon became an open secret that the emperor actually was in love with Sclarina and not Zoe. Now, Constantine was worried that some people might not actually be okay with this. I mean, he was very aware that there'd been a revolt recently all over how Zoe was treated. So he decides yeah. to set up, and this is a brilliant idea, a formal document of friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Who with? Well, the senators were all gathered and witnessed Zoe, Sclarina, and Constantine all sign this document of friendship. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Menage a trois. Oh, I yes, very that. much so. <laughs> uh, apparently the senators were all very embarrassed, uh, red in the face, but they went along with it because it's the new emperor. Yeah, afterwards, Sclarina was officially called the Augusta, or possibly one step down, but almost on the level of Zoe and Theodora. In fact, I'll just uh, quote Celis here. What was most astounding was the fact that although most people were greatly distressed in the way that Zoe had been deceived and neglected and despised, she herself showed no emotion whatsoever, except that she smiled upon everyone and apparently was quite pleased with the arrangement. At all events, she embraced her new partner with unusual warmth and both of them accompanied the Emperor. Both, too, discussed with him the same problems. Constantine weighed the judgment of each woman with equal impartiality, although it must be admitted that occasionally he allowed himself to be more readily influenced by his junior consort. <laughs> so, there you go. I guess by this point, though, Zoe's just like, I don't want any hassle, this is fine. Yeah, I mean, that is uh, what Celis comes to the conclusion. I mean, she's in her mid-60s. At this point, she never wed this Constantine for anything other than political stability, she just is happy to be left in her women's quarters where she spent most of her life trying not to be usurped. How old is Constantine? Uh, he's he's sort of in his mid-40s at this point. Right. Oh. Yeah, so... A, yeah, yeah, a bit of an age difference there. And if we accept the fact that Zoe just doesn't care about her new husband in that way, she just wants to carry on living, it makes perfect sense that she just mm. goes along with this. Um, however, the people in the city are not happy. They see this as an insult to Zoe. They do not like this new empress. So soon rumours spread that Sclarina was plotting to kill Zoe. Poison, of course, because that's what women do. Now, there's nothing to suggest that this is true whatsoever. All we know is that the rumours were happening. Um, and then Sclarina dies. Oh. 
Oh yes, all of a sudden. Uh, Celis tells us that she suffered from asthma, and her health deteriorated rapidly, so it would appear it was natural causes. We'll see how this affected Constantine Nine in his episode. <laughs> But you can imagine he doesn't take it well. As for Zoe, uh, she went back to the women's quarters and just lived out the rest of her life in relative peace. Oh. Uh, she dies before Constantine Nine, which is why we've done her, her episode first. Celis tells us that towards the end, when she was approaching 70, she becomes a bit scatty, a bit dotty. Well, he says, I don't want to give the impression that she goes insane or anything, but she's just a little bit not quite as there. <laughs> not quite as much with it as she used to be. Yeah. Um... She'd given up on keeping up with current affairs, apparently, and just was far more interested in her own affairs within the palace, which is understandable. Mm. Um, she started to emulate her father, unfortunately. Uh, if you remember, Constantine VIII had a little bit of a problem with ordering people to be blinded whenever mm. he was annoyed. Uh, yeah, she starts doing that, if anyone oh. just annoyed her slightly. Uh, but Constantine uh, just made sure that didn't actually happen. Uh, <laughs> so you get the impression that she was just the dotty old woman at this point who would call everyone dearie and occasionally yeah. order the mutilation of uh, people's eyes, uh, much to everyone's yeah. amusement. So, oh, there's, there's Zoe ordering someone to be blind My again. turn this week. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay, Zoe. <laughs> no, Zoe, you didn't order my blinding last week. No. <laughs> Look, I've still got my eyes. <laughs> yes. If you ordered it, it would have happened. Celeste tells us that when she hit 70, she was still useless. Full. Uh, didn't have a wrinkle on her face, apparently, which I'm assuming is hyperbole. Um, <laughs> but apparently she was still very much uh, a beautiful, if old, lady. Um, but then her health failed suddenly, and she died in 1050. So there you go. 1050? Wow. 1050, yeah. So there you go. There is the very different kind of story than we've usually got, and the life of Zoe. Yeah. Yeah. Relatively peaceful, to be honest, apart from the whole nunny incident. But Yeah, I mean, there were some nasty times, um, but overall, it sounds like she probably had a pretty good life. Yeah. Just a bit of, about a decade of unpleasantness, which, I mean, no yeah. one wants a decade of unpleasantness, but <laughs> no. considering she had about six decades of luxury, I mean, yeah. Anyway, let's have a go at rating her, although it's going to be tricky. Fighting Maximus. Okay, I mean, Phytius Maximus. Uh, it's very hard to judge this one. I mean, obviously we've not got the standard military stuff. Um, you, if we start to look into political fighting, you very rarely saw her fighting anything, to be honest. She went along with the flow as much yeah. as possible. That's the feeling I got from pretty much her entire political life. Yeah, I... If you call it that. There is no way she could have been happy about many of the things that happened to her during the reigns of her husbands and her adopted son. Uh, but she didn't really push against them, unless maybe she killed Romanos. That's pushing against someone. But like I say, I think that's John. Yeah, so I don't think she can really get anything in this round, unless you... I, I don't think so. No, unfortunately not. So that is a zero fighters, Maximus. Approvium Crazium. Um, okay... Probium Crasium. Now, this this depends on how far down the Zoe killed everyone conspiracy that you can go. Uh, hmm. You could claim that she killed Romanos. Uh, you could also claim that she tried to kill John. And you can also point to the death of Sclerino and go, well, that was very sudden, wasn't it? Uh, but I, I think you're really sort of bending the, the realms of possibility there, to be honest. Um, as yeah. I said when we we're going through the biography, I think the attempt to kill John is uh, the most likely to have happened. As protects herself. Yeah. 
the Romano swung possibly, but the the way she walks out though, Turner Backer walked out. I, I certainly get a suspicion that maybe she had it a wouldn't, hand in that. It wouldn't somewhere. surprise me if she knew about it, but she was just going along with it. I don't think she's the one who yeah. hatched the plot. I mean, what what was in it for her, really? I mean, Romanos was old. He was going to die soon anyway. His death would just yeah. cause uh, possible uncertainty. So, I don't know. A point for the uh, the possible attempted murder and the possible murder of Romanos? Yeah, I'm going to give it two for that. Yeah, I'm going to give a one. I don't know for sure. Yeah, so, you, you just can't really get much for this round, unfortunately. So that is three for this round. She succeeded in staying alive after essentially being the plaything of six separate emperors. That is true. Yeah, uh, the fact that she lived through all of the mayhem of the time and died of old age, that's great. She achieved what she set out to do, which was survive. Uh, That said, she hardly did anything for the Empire. Um, I mean, there were those anti-corruption laws, which are always brought up whenever anyone talks about her, because it's literally the only thing we've got. Um, But again, that may not be. Yeah, I mean, that seems like that was something that was being pushed through. Um, Skylitzes credits her with uh, sending Maniakes to Italy to put down some unrest that I've not covered this episode, uh, because it falls better in Constantine's episode. But... He was sent over uh, pretty much days after she was put into charge, and it would seem that actually this was Michael Five uh, who sent Maniakes to Italy, but then died immediately afterwards. Yeah. Remember, uh, Michael Five released Maniakes from prison. Um, but just know, Maniakes, their best general, is now out and about on the field again. That'll be important next episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think you can give her much. I'm going to give her a, a point for surviving. But it, that's her personal, and it's not for the Empire. So it's oh. a token point I'm giving her. I wouldn't give her anything, then. Fair enough, that is a one. Image face. Okay. This is where she knocks it out of the park, though. Oh, it's a, that's a mosaic. Yeah, you find that in the Hajj Sophia itself. If you look at the full mosaic, uh, Jesus is in the middle. Uh, she's on one side, and Constantine Nine's on the other. Uh, but yeah, we've got a full-blown sort of Justinian one-level mosaic here. Uh, The kind of mosaic you don't see as good quality of very often. Uh, Apparently her face was removed at some point and redone. You can kind of see there's some damage. She's almost got a floating face on top of where her face should be. Uh, But I couldn't find out exactly why the face was removed. Uh, I saw some theories, but they all seemed a bit weird about Michael Five doing it. But I just don't understand why Michael Five would do that or when he'd have the time to do it uh, considering Constantine Nine's on there as well and he came after Michael Five. Who knows, unless her husband changed whenever she had a husband. I don't know. Uh, but that doesn't yeah. matter. We're just judging this mosaic of her and I, I'm very impressed with that. I I think it's pretty good. It's, it's very detailed, so we're not used to. Very detailed. You get to see all the, the jewels and stuff. She's holding a scroll um, she's got a halo. Yeah, I just like the mosaic. I'm going full marks. Full? Ooh. Full marks. I'm going to go full. I'm going to go nine, though, but I'm not going ten. Okay, so that is 4.75 for Imagofacius for having a good mosaic. The fact that it's in the Hajj Sophia as well impresses me. That's a good place to have on the yeah. mosaic. Okay, last one. What do you think? How long... I'm only counting the time that her and her sister were ruling alone. 
Oh, about a year. Less. Oh, really? You're <laughs> in months. Oh, yes. We're definitely in months here. Only half that. Uh, six months. Less. Really? Oh, yeah. Four months. Two months. Wow. Two months. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, um, that's. I, I can't count any of the other times because she just wasn't yeah. in charge. The power firmly went to Constantine Nine, so two months, which is what that's zero point zero two. <laughs> so that gives her a score of zero point zero two for tempo complete. Oh dear, not not great. Not, not the best. No, but that gives her a total, which I'm hoping you've been taking note of because I've not been. Yep. Uh, take my water. Add this up. Uh, Eight point seven seven. 8.77. It's not good. It's not great. But, let's ask the question. Do they have a certain je ne sais Yeah, no. I see, uh, I'm going to end up saying no, it's obvious, but <laughs> I'm not going to say no immediately and not leave any suspense. I think there's a genuine argument here. I don't think so, um, because as an empress, emperor, uh, meh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, when she was in charge, nothing at all. I think why I am uh, almost tempted is just uh, how different she was to research. And she had such a different life to everyone else we've covered. It was just nice seeing palace intrigue from a woman's perspective and what a royal princess has to go through instead of talking about the wars and the, um, the plots to kill people. I get that. Which don't get me wrong, I love. Yeah. But different change of pace this week, and I enjoyed it. Uh, but you're right. Uh, she seemed very passive to everything that was going around her. Uh, like you said, it just she went along with it. Yeah. So. Which, I mean, maybe that's just how the sources have portrayed it, and unfortunately True. that's all we can read into it, because we don't get that much. No. Um, but we have to play with the hand we're dealt, so... Yeah, no, I agree. Unfortunately not, but I, I enjoyed the episode, researching it. Uh, but sorry, Zoe, no Genesis are for you. Mean for you. Which, which is a shame. What about her sister, though? Because we're not doing her next, but we will be doing her after that. Do you think she's got a shot? Well, that means she carries on. Um, mm. Don't know. Yeah. We're, well, we'll find well, out. She spent, she, she spent most of her life as a nun, didn't she? Uh, she spent a while, yeah. 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 Yeah, well, we'll see. Right, anyway, that's this week. That's Zoe. Next time, Constantine 9. There is more on Constantine 9 than literally every other Emperor we've ever done. Really? Why? I'm still asking myself this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some interesting stuff there, but it's it's nothing, like, hugely exceptional um, as far as I'm aware so far. Celis uh, writes over 100 pages on him, and Skylitzis writes over 60 pages on, on him. That is 160 pages I've got on... Um, and like over half of that is primary source, because Celis worked directly for him. Wow. Uh, we just happen to have a really detailed source. I mean, you could argue Augustus probably has more, to be fair, uh, but no one who was as close. So... Yeah, might be a longer episode mm. next time, uh, because we've just got so much detail. Yeah. Uh, but that's for next time, not this time. Uh, and until then... Uh, th- uh, thank you for downloading us on Poppy and iTunes and Stitcher, and don't forget you can follow yeah. us on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, uh, talking of Twitter, if you've not, go and follow one of our Jeff Storians. Well, follow both of them. Yes. Uh, but at the moment, uh, Bailey, with the Twitter handle at BA4Set4Ket, 
F-A-W-C-E-T-T. Yeah. He is tweeting the life of all of the Jeffs, from Jeff 1, who worked for Trajan, all the way up till the, well, the one who died uh, after Helena fell on him after falling out of a tree and then off a cliff. Yeah. Today's episode. Uh, and beyond, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, so follow that. Uh, it's been amusing me <laughs> whilst I read it. Uh, he's, he's also commissioning lots of artwork for um, different Jeffs, so there's lots of different images as yeah, well. Yeah, Very good. Yes. Um, other his, uh, Jeff historian is uh, Twitter handle It Ain't All Jerky. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, been doing some good Jeff research. Yeah. So, yeah, go and follow our Jeff historians. <laughs> and if you've got any Jeff research yourself, share it because there's there's always stuff out there about Jeff. That's yeah. the great thing about the Jeffs. You have to look hard, but it's there. Oh, yeah, yeah, but it, it's there if you look really hard. Great. Okay, thank you very much for listening. And until next time. <laughs> oh, wow, we've got weird here. I know. We? Now you've got to think something to oh. say. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I'll get the builders in. (laughs) Bye. So, dear, I've... I've... I've been having a think... You have you, and you, you tend to think quite a lot. Well, yes, I am the emperor now, and, uh... Well, you know how when I... I asked if my good friend Scleruina could come to court? Ah, yes, you're your close personal friend, yes. I mean, she was horribly treated in Lesbos. Oh, no. It was awful for her, the poor thing. Oh, no. And I'm so, so pleased that you've said that she can come and stay. Well, of course, um, as long as it makes your friend happy. Oh, yes, and she is my friend, and I'd like to think she's your friend as well. I'd say so, yes. She seems like a lovely lady. You you could almost say that the three of us are friends. Um, yes, yes. Yes, we are friends. I was wondering, and like I say, I was having a think, a good old head scratch. Are you willing to put that in writing? What? Just a... A little, a little bit of paperwork, dear. You know, just a little name on a bit of paper. Three little names. Just a, a friendship document. A bit like a, a card. A friendship letter. Would this piece of paper that we're signing be a legally binding document by any chance? Yes, yes, it would. It would very much be a legally... Yes, binding. Um, I was thinking in front of the Senate... Why? I just, just in case of any unpleasantness, you know, I just think it's very important that everyone understands that we're all friends. Can I still keep getting my quarters replastered? Oh, yes. Uh, absolutely. That's fine. Um, so that's okay, is it? Oh, solid. Okay, whatever. Excellent. One more thing. Have you ever considered a threesome?